Today's episode is brought to you by the Tax Defense Group. The team of professionals at the Tax Defense Group are passionate about helping taxpayers resolve their tax debt. Their services include basic tax preparation, tax audits, resolving large tax debt, and more. They actively represent taxpayers throughout the entire USA. If you need help resolving your tax issues, contact the Tax Defense Group. Call the Tax Defense Group today at 800-850-7973 to get started. That number again is 800-850-7973, and you can visit them online at thetaxdefensegroup.com. Are you thinking about starting a business or a side hustle? For all businesses to be successful, you need a website. Rider Junkie offers website development, content writing, and SEO services for business websites. Call Rider Junkie today at 805-587-7966, and you can visit them online at riderjunkie.com. We recently launched our website, ucaststudios.com. With articles about sports, special interest topics, and more, we have some cool stuff on our site. To read our content, please visit ucaststudios.com. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Lakers Outsiders Weekly Podcast, brought to you by UCAST Studios. I'm your host, Gary Kester, here with you as always. And joining me, as always, I guess normally now, I guess I wasn't even on the last one, so I can't say as always, but whatever. We all have an off day. No big deal. But <laughs> Hani Amadian is, is joining me today. Hani, uh, have you had a Popeye's chicken sandwich today, by chance? Unfortunately not. Uh, you know, it would have felt great to have one of those after this uh, win by the Lakers, but we're not Brandon Ingram. Apparently, we can't get sponsorships, but he can. I, was I just haven't heard say. Brandon Ingram talk about it on a podcast every single time. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, just, uh, you know, all-star calculator, but whatever. I mean, I think there's more value in two random dudes that may have a Laker podcast, but that's just me, so... Uh, yeah, no, uh, no Popeye's chicken sandwich, but if the Lakers do win the championship, I think me and you just need to record a podcast of us eating Popeye's chicken sandwiches for like we, a half We won't even hour. talk. It'll, it'll be like an <laughs> ASMR uh, podcast of us eating chicken sandwiches. <laughs> That's good. That's it. And you know what? Everybody will be so happy that they don't even care. <laughs> All right. Well, this is going to be a happy podcast because we're going to be talking about game three of the first round matchup between the Lakers and Blazers. The Lakers bounce back with a second straight win to take a 2-1 series lead on the Portland Trail Blazers by winning 116-108. to It uh, would have been 116-106. Would have been a double-digit win if it wasn't for a little garbage time layup at the end. I'm not bitter about it at all, though. So uh, that's what we're going to be talking about today. But as always, guys, uh, if you like the podcast, be sure to subscribe to us on uh, – or you subscribe to Lakers Outsiders and uh, UCAS Studios on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts, whether that's Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever. Uh, just be sure to subscribe there. Uh, you can follow Lakers Outsiders on Twitter and Instagram, just at Lakers Outsiders, and you can like us on Facebook and get all of our content on LakersOutsiders.com. You can follow Hani on Twitter, uh, just at at H-O-N-I-A-H-M, and then you can follow me on Twitter at Gary Kester. Don't highly, I highly recommend you don't do the second one, but uh, you know sometimes it's fun. So, all right, we're gonna have some fun on this podcast. Let's talk about this game that we just saw today, Hani. We got our first glimpse 
of playoff LeBron in a Laker uniform. It was just beautiful to see. I don't even have a question about it. I just want to say how beautiful it was. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's wild that we're saying this after a game one where he had like 25, 15, and 15 or whatever it was. It was like, like the like first ins- player yeah. in NBA playoff history to do that. Like, eh, whatever. Yeah, it just felt like it wasn't really him. It, it was insane. But yeah, today I think we got sort of what makes LeBron really special in the playoffs is when he just sets his mind to something and does it every single time and it felt amazing uh and really like just uh vindicating to see it after a couple of offensive foul calls that gary trent jr uh let's just say drew on on lebron gary trent jr you already sullied my first name by going to duke like you're you're doing it even worse by flopping all over the place i need you to cut it out listen there's only one gary that i've talk to or about today that I respect and it ain't Gary Trent Jr. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, it, yeah, it definitely felt like it was one of those games where LeBron just got pissed. Uh, Dave McMenamin had that great tweet about um, him trash talking uh, Gary Trent Jr. after uh, he got upset about a foul call and said, don't start complaining now, uh, which was amazing. <laughs> and then LeBron just really took it to it, uh, took it to Trent and the rest of the Blazers by literally driving at the rim pretty much every single play. Um, they just have no answer of stopping him. It doesn't matter if Trent's on him. doesn't matter if Carmelo's on him. Whoever it is, he's getting to the rim every single time. Um, and I thought they they kind of had fewer post-ups for him today, which I, I actually don't have a problem with LeBron post-ups because I think that's great offense for the Lakers. But it felt like they wanted him out on the perimeter and just driving to the rim with a head full of steam. And... No matter who was guarding him, he was getting to the rim at will and most of the time getting fouled. Um, the Lakers obviously shot a ton of free throws, and I think LeBron was really the basis of that on top of uh, Anthony Davis as well. But just really putting pressure on the Blazers to defend them the length of the floor. Yeah, another thing with LeBron, too, is he had the jump in this game. I mean, the jumper is is always kind of a big thing with LeBron if he has the jumper going. Um, you know, it kind of – I don't know how you guard him when he's got it going. Like, you just – you kind of have to pick your poison, but four for eight from the three point line today, hit some, just some real daggers. I thought in the second half with those threes uh, came out and hit one. Um, I think that tied the game at 64. And then he followed it up. I think the next possession found KCP for a three, which gave the Lakers the lead. Finally Uh, seemed like they kept getting close to kind of getting over the hump and taking the lead back. And then they couldn't quite do it until that stretch there. Um, yeah, just unreal game from LeBron today. I mean, 38 points, 12 boards, eight assists. Did have eight turnovers, which isn't great, but I mean, just all the good things that he did today. Um, it was just, it was, it was so awesome to see because we've been talking about seeing playoff LeBron, playoff LeBron, and uh, we really saw. It. And it was nice because the game two, he didn't have to do that. Yeah, like contributions from so many different other areas uh, that LeBron had a game where he could just kind of chill. And it was, it was kind of nice to see um, in this game. Anthony Davis really struggled in the first half. But man, in the second half, did he ever wake up? And I mean, I think I've I, we've probably said this a few times, I think, throughout at least throughout the season. But if the Lakers can get that third guy to step up because LeBron and AD, we, we can count on pretty much every night to bring it or at least nine out of ten nights. And we got to see both of them just light it up in the second half. And then we got some some other guys that really 
kind of stepped up. I guess who who of those other guys? We'll talk about AD in a second, but who of those other guys I think really stood out to you um, in stepping up for this for this win? It was definitely a few people, and I you know I think Danny Green had a great game today. Made made a couple of threes early on and played pretty good defense. Um, Kuzma is kind of had a weird series where he hasn't really necessarily shot well or scored well, but has been a positive every single game. And, you know, I, I looked it up and tweeted it out, but he's a plus 27 for the series uh, as a whole right now, which is pretty great. Um, but to me, the guy that I was most happy with as well was Alex Caruso, um, who I think we got, we got the first real like quintessential Caruso game of the series today. I think he'd been pretty fine defensively the first two games, but hadn't really done much offensively. Today, I think he was he was great on both ends uh, of the floor. He defensively has been a pest to Lillard and uh, McCollum throughout the series. And today on offense, he was running the pick and roll pretty well. I thought he was really patient as well uh, offensively on those pick and rolls of kind of drawing two defenders and really drawing them all the way out to the rim so that when he passed it out, then the Lakers have an actual four on three situation because that the defense has been, you know, uh, pushed back so far. Um, he ended up with 10 points and seven assists, which is like, I mean, a, a true what you want out of a true point guard off the bench. Um, I thought, you know, mm-hmm. statistically it was great and just the eye tests as well. He's really all over the floor. He also had maybe my, my favorite play of the whole game uh, where the uh, Blazers were on like a three-on-one, maybe, maybe a three-on-two break. Um, and Caruso tries to stop it by fouling Carmelo at the top of the key. And he, like, two-hand shoved him, and the refs just didn't call it for whatever reason. <laughs> and you could tell Caruso was pissed, first of all, that, that it didn't get called because he wanted to stop the break. Uh, but then the ball gets swung over to Lillard. Uh, I think – I don't remember who it was that closed out on Lillard. But then he throws it all the way across the floor to McCollum, and Caruso just hauls ass to get there, uh, forces McCollum to put it on the floor, and then he has to throw up a runner that, you know, doesn't really even come close. Mm-hmm. Um, those type of plays are exactly why – Lakers fans have loved Caruso all season long, all his career, really, with the team. And, uh, you know, it was great to see that continuing, but then offensively him actually really contributing as as a little bit of a playmaker for the team as well. Yeah, it was uh, Caruso, Kuzma, and Dwight that were the three. It was basically a three-on-three possession. And, yeah. I mean, the Blazers were spread out, so it's like they, they had to cover a lot of ground and help out one another. Um, and to get a stop on that possession at that point in the game, I thought was actually – you know, not like crucial, but I thought it was it was fairly significant um, considering it looked like it was going to be an easy transition opportunity for the Blazers. It was either going to get them a wide open three or something at the basket. Um, and Jeff Van Gundy, I think, was was talking about guys not running back. Uh, I think LeBron yeah. and AD were just kind of watching it, uh, watching it happen. And I think, you know, the, Bla- the Blazers had two guys. I think it was both their big guys, I think, that uh, just kind of stood back and watched and um I was just, yeah, the, the effort there by Kuzma and, and Crusoe especially, but Dwight came out and and uh, and contested the floater. And, yeah, I, you know, I, I don't think it's really getting talked about enough, and maybe it's because, you know, Lillard just is who he is, and he's going to put up big numbers. But I think he's, Caruso's honestly doing as good a job as you can ask on, on a guy like Damian Lillard. Like, he's, there's been a couple fouls on like some threes and stuff that obviously you'd like to eliminate, but Lillard's going to get some of those calls without one. There really wasn't hardly any contact. It was just, it was called. Um, and it is what it is. And I'm not going to complain about officials because apparently officials are the only reason the Lakers won today, according to one part of Twitter. But, uh, but no, I mean, obviously you look at Lillard's point totals, 34, 18 and 34, 
It's like, you know, that that is what it is. But nine of 21, six of 14, eight of 20. Like with a guy like Lillard, who we've seen just be on this historical tear, you're, you're living with with those type of shooting numbers. Um, he's going to shoot the ball a lot. He's going to shoot a lot of free throws. There's not really much you can do about that. But Caruso, man, he's like I said, he's just doing as good a job as you can. I mean, there's not every possession is perfect. I don't know what specific so guards him as opposed to like a, a KCP. Um, yeah. But I think the Lakers are doing just about as good a job. And Caruso's had a very big, um, big role in that. So, no, I I, I was going to say, if you didn't say him, I was going to say Caruso. Uh, I'm wearing my Caruso shirt. So, of course, I, you know, I, I got to give the boy some love. But, uh, no, I think today he was really, really good. He's had kind of moments in the, in the first two games. But today I thought overall when he was on the court, it was just – it was good things for the Lakers. And, you know, I don't know who the – I guess if I had to pick like the third guy tonight, he, he probably would be it. But I thought KCP came up big in the third quarter as well, hit some threes, uh, really kind of got the shot going once again. Um, and they just got little contributions, you know, here and there that I thought were, were very important. You know, like I said, KCP, Caruso, Danny Green had some some moments, especially uh, defensively. That possession where the Lakers had like three block shots was just like pure basketball porn. Just beautiful to watch. Uh, that was championship on that position. Love seeing that. And uh, yeah, Markeith Morris too is another guy that like you look at his box score numbers and he's you know he's got two points, three rebounds. You're like oh big deal, whatever. But I, I really think his presence on the floor is is making an impact, and I think it's showing up in the in the lineup info, the lineup stats, and, and all that data. Um, he's I, he just gives them such like flexibility with their lineups, kind of like how Kuzma does, where he can kind of play like two through four a little bit. Um, Morris obviously can't play the two, but he allows other guys to kind of you know yeah. mix allows Vogel to mix and match some lineups. And I think uh, just his skill set, his ability to shoot the basketball, combined with you know his toughness defensively and his versatility, um, I think that's played a you know a pretty nice pretty nice role with the Lakers. And I think he had some some good moments today, even though it didn't show up in the box score. Uh, same with Dwight. I mean, Dwight had 10 rebounds, and that was that was another thing too. Is the Lakers really crushed Portland uh, last in this game? You know, so yeah. that's that's a big deal. That's a big. I mean, that's kind of an overlooked part of defense, right? And and honey, I thought the defense was so much better in the second half than it was in the first half, and and some of it was was Portland just making tough shots. They got guys yeah. that can hit tough shots. Um, but it seemed like the Lakers were pretty content with allowing Carmelo to take long contested twos. And I was totally fine with that. I don't know what was going through your mind when he, yeah. I mean, cause he hit like three or four in a row where it's like, okay, maybe we should switch it up. But I was cool with living with that. The the funny thing is usually it's the opposite way that this works for the Lakers is that they're the ones going into the paint and just getting layups while the other team's drilling threes. And you're like, all right, well, we're losing the math problem. The third quarter was the opposite. The Lakers made six threes in that quarter, which was the exact same number that they made. Uh, actually, no, double what they made in the first half. Um, mm. And they took the same number of, of threes as they did in the first half. Uh, and that while that was happening, the Blazers were getting two-point jumpers by Melo, which, I mean, credit to him for making them. And obviously, that helps keep the game close. But the Lakers were winning that math problem at that time. Um, but yeah, defensively, I think, uh, especially in the second half, you know, partially because the Lakers just kind of cleaned it up a little bit and there was uh, less sloppiness. I think the Blazers didn't get as many pass break opportunities in the second half as they did in the first half. Um, but also Portland, you know, uh, Jacob and I talked about it in the in the previous podcast as well. They 
second halves of games, they they do kind of seem like they're getting tired. And I think as the series wears on, it's, it's catching up to them a little bit more and more. Um, you know, whether that's showing in Melo taking control of the offense a little bit, so Lillard and McCollum don't have to, or it's these, you know, tough pull-up uh, jumpers that Lillard is taking. You know, credit to him, he usually makes them, but, you know, late in the game, there's opportunities for him to drive past the Lakers guards and, and he would rather take those jumpers. And I think that has to do with the fatigue and, you know, not wanting to get clobbered at the rim or whatever that may be. But um, I think that really started to show late in this game. Uh, so, you know, Lakers defense has been amazing, but it's also been kind of like a like a war of attrition of the Lakers just kind of battling and battling and waiting for the Blazers to get tired and then making the run uh, in the third quarter. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, Dame Lillard played 43 minutes. McCollum played 42 minutes. Uh, Carmelo played 42 minutes. Nurkic played 35. Um, I mean, Blazers played nine guys that I, tonight, and two of those guys played one played five minutes, one played four minutes, and Simon's only played 13 minutes. So, like, that's that's a huge workload to put on five or six guys um, yeah. to play that much and to not run out of gas. And I mean, they've been. You know, as, as much as I, you know, I've said, like, do not overlook a team that's been in playoff mode for two weeks already. That's a dangerous type of team to play. At the same time, they've been playing like game sevens. Eventually, that does wear on you, I think, both mentally and physically. And I don't know if there is going to come a point in this series where Portland just rolls over. Um, I don't anticipate that they will. I wouldn't be overly surprised by it because there's we've seen it in playoff series, you know, in the past where teams just run out of gas, um, depending on the circumstances. And Portland, it just seems like is really having to push hard and really push through some fatigue um, in these. And I, I felt like even game one, I mean, if the Lakers don't have just an absolutely dreadful shooting night, as bad as they played, they win that game. Yeah. You know, so um, the first as frustrating as the first half was, it was like, you know, um, they stayed close. They kept it close. LeBron kind of just kept the Lakers afloat until AD really got it going in the second half. And it was it was curtains from that point on. So uh, we're going to take a quick break here. We're going to talk about AD on the other half of the or on the other end of this break. And so uh, stay tuned just here for a sec. But we're going to give you a word from our sponsors and be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by the Tax Defense Group. The team of professionals at the Tax Defense Group are passionate about helping taxpayers resolve their tax debt. Their services include basic tax preparation, tax audits, resolving large tax debt, and more. They actively represent taxpayers throughout the entire USA. If you need help resolving your tax issues, contact the Tax Defense Group. Call the Tax Defense Group today at 800-850-7973 to get started. That number again is 800-850-7973, and you can visit them online at thetaxdefensegroup.com. Today's episode is also brought to you by Writer Junkie. Are you thinking about starting a business or a side hustle? For all businesses to be successful, you need a website. Writer Junkie offers website development, content writing, and SEO services for business websites. Call Writer Junkie today at 805-587-7966, and you can visit them online at writerjunkie.com. We recently launched our website, ucaststudios.com. With articles about sports, special interest topics, and more, we have some cool stuff on our site. To read our content, please visit ucaststudios.com. All right, so Anthony Davis, rough first half after a great game two. You know, started to, I think, ruffle the feathers of Laker fans a little bit about the inconsistencies and this and that. But uh, 
he really woke up in the second half and was just absolutely dominant in the second half. And Portland really had no answer for him. Kind of invaded, I think, for most of the series. We thought, you know, LeBron and AD should feast in this series because Portland doesn't really have good matchups for him. Uh, he finishes 20 with 29 points, 11 of 18 from the field. Him and LeBron were both 11 of 18 from the field. The difference was LeBron shot a little bit better from, well, shot better from the three-point line and from the free throw line. Kind of weird to see Anthony Davis go 7 of 14 from the line, but it was kind of that type of game for the Lakers for the most part from the free throw line. Um, but 29 points, 11 boards, eight assists for AD. I mean, two steals, three blocks. Really just put it all together in the second half. Honey, what do you think changed in the second half from the first for, for AD that really got him going? Uh, definitely kind of felt like he was slowing down a little bit more, uh, wasn't rushing things, kind of letting, you know, the, as cliche as it is, letting the offense come to him. And I think the Lakers did a better job of not just, here, let's throw the ball into AD on the post and, mm-hmm. and see what he can do, which, you know, he, he is a good post-up player, but that's not necessarily his strength. And especially against this team that has two seven-footers starting next to each other uh, today, it, it doesn't really make sense. You know, you don't really want Anthony Davis posting up when, uh, if he has a drop step to go to the rim, JaVale McGee is standing right there so his guy can come up and easily double-team him, and then he's shooting over Whiteside and Nurkic. Um, mm. What you want Anthony Davis to do is have the ball in space uh, and going towards the rim because none of those guys are quick enough to to really stop him. And I think Nurkic in particular was just food today. Like he could not at all guard uh, Anthony Davis going towards the rim. And I think you saw that kind of uh, you, he had to really concede a bunch of jumpers later in the game in that third quarter, especially when AD had, I think, three straight jumpers and then got fouled on a fourth one. Um, running pick and rolls with Alex Caruso was because, and those were like free throw line jumpers, but they were giving him that space because they didn't want him driving towards the the, the hoop. Because every time he does that, he's either scoring over those guys or getting free throws. Um, and as poorly as he shot those free throws, it's still a benefit to the Lakers because one, they're easier shots to make, and two, it's putting Blazers guys in foul trouble and that's hurting them the other way. So um, to me, <laughs> Everything about Anthony Davis is just more of how do you get him into the flow of the offense rather than just force feeding him and saying, hey, maybe if he hits this this shot, that'll get him into the game. No, you should really it should really be part of the offense to figure out how to put him in the best positions. And I think they did that really well in game two. I thought they did it poorly in game one, and I think they started out poorly in game three, but uh, really switched it up in, in the second half and, and got him uh, going a little bit. Basically, my recommendation. Also, you said Nurkic was food. Was he like a Popeye's chicken sandwich <laughs> for AD? Or, well, he was one type of chicken. I'll say that. But uh, I don't know about fried. More, more, more like barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I had to get that in there. But uh, no, basically, my recommendation, and I'm far from a coach or an NBA coach. Uh, I would just, I mean. I think you're you're dead on with the the post ups thing because it just seems to be a common trend where it's like we dump it down to him in the post and just kind of guys clear out teams throw doubles at him and then it's it just kind of throws everything off. I would basically minimize the post post up possessions. Obviously, if you get a mismatch like if you get Gary Trent switched onto him something like that, yeah, throw it down to him in the post, whatever. Yeah. Um, but. I would take those post possessions, turn them into pick and roll possessions, because I think we saw that, especially in the second half, Caruso and, and AD 
just yes. absolutely feasted in the pick and roll. Um, and it resulted mostly in a lot of Anthony Davis jumpers, but it was like you said, they were just backing off because they didn't want him to go and, and dive to the basket and get the ball and move going towards him. And I don't know what the numbers are, but I, like, I just feel so much more confident in AD as a shooter off the catch as opposed yeah. to off the dribble. Uh, I don't know what the numbers are. If you guys know them, tweet them at me. If not, I'll maybe I'll have to look them out, look them up. But uh, just from the eye test, like it feels like AD off the catch, like as a catch and shoot jump shooter is so much better than off the dribble. Um, even like off the dribble, it feels like the ones that he makes are like step back jumpers, which are kind of like a similar type of motion as like catching a jumper and like jumping into it a little bit. I don't know. Maybe I'm off on that, but, uh, but no, I just, I don't know. I, I trust him more as, as a catch and shoot jump shooter. And I think there's a lot of opportunities for him as a pick and roll and pick and pop big uh, to do that. Now I'm not saying he has to, that's the only way to utilize him, but I just mm-hmm. think it's, there's a lot better ways to utilize him. And that's one of them um, as opposed to just, Oh, throw it in the post. And then everybody just get out of the way. Like we've kind of seen, I mean, that can be so freakishly good. Not probably not the the most optimal way to to utilize um, yeah. a player like that. So, uh, second half was much better. They I thought they used him in the pick and roll game a lot more, even with a guy like Caruso. And, and um, I, I think you know doing that I think allowed, if I remember correctly, the Lakers. LeBron went out with like seven minutes left in the fourth quarter. And I remember I tweeted out, I was like, this better be a short break because, like, this game is still very much in doubt. Like, it's still very close. And you don't want to let this one slip away because being up 2-1 is a big difference than being down 2-1. Um, and I think they actually extended the lead with LeBron on the bench. So they bought two extra minutes of rest for LeBron. And it was basically just put AD and Caruso in pick and roll and just let them go to work. And it, it worked beautifully. And the Lakers generate a lot of shots from it. So... Um, when AD and LeBron are playing like that, man, really all the Lakers need is marginal contributions from the other guys. Great to see yeah. LeBron and AD just dominate as a duo. And honestly, it gave me, you know, obviously very different players, but it kind of made me think back to like Shaq and Kobe, just watching just a total dominant duo, just playing their best and, and just absolutely shredding a team, especially Portland. I'm sure <laughs> Blazer fans remember that 2000 uh, Western Conference Finals very well. Uh, one more note on that, the Caruso and AD pick and rolls. Um, I, first of all, their chemistry on those is really great, which is kind of weird. I don't think they've played a ton of minutes together this year comparatively, but they are pretty good at it. Um, but one of my other favorite plays of this whole game was uh, Caruso kind of driving towards the rim and getting walled off and then uh, coming back, passing the ball out to AD on the post, basically, and then just screening for him. Mm-hmm. And, you know... I, this is kind of like my like irrational like love child of a play in the NBA. I I used to really love the Lakers doing this in 2013. Um, as awful as as that season was, they used to do it with Nash and Dwight a lot, uh, where the point guard is screening for the big guy and guards don't know how to defend that. And like AD just got an easy drive to the rim, and I think he got an and one on that play. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're not doing it every single play down the floor, obviously, because then they adjust to it. But, you know, as we've talked about on multiple shows now, it's those little like one possession here, a couple possessions there that, you know, you win those little battles that, that really add up. And having that those type of plays in your arsenal where you're taking advantage of this seven foot dude who uh, drives like a guard and handles the ball like a guard. 
being able to utilize him in those situations can legitimately be the difference between like a second round exit and a championship. Yeah, man. I mean, guard screens are are kind of overlooked a little bit in terms of like scheming basketball basketball wise. And I think I mean, you bring up that. I, I think of Steph Curry a lot when it comes to guard screens. Like Steph does a really good job of screening, and that you know kind of frees him up in certain uh, certain ways. Uh, I think back to like. I was uh, for some reason I always think back of um, the Kobe and D Fish days, um, especially yeah. like the 2010 Finals. I think that Game Three where Fisher just went kind of nuts in the fourth quarter. Uh, they were just basically running like the one-two pick and roll, mm-hmm. um, where you know they were either forcing a switch and getting a smaller player on Kobe, or Fisher would just come around those things and just you know he'd get a, a, enough space to either get a jumper or go to the basket. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, those guard screens are, are definitely. Uh, can definitely be a weapon for you uh, if you utilize them the right way. And, and Caruso is definitely a willing screener. Um, uh-huh. And it's great to see, man. He, just a guy that, you know, makes makes winning plays. Plus, the plus minus looks good today. So <laughs> just just wanted to say he's plus 10 and second highest on the team behind 80s plus 15. I think, I think if the Lakers win the title, they raise a – banner the 17th banner and then right next to it there'll be a banner for caruso's plus minus during the playoff run yep <laughs> i'm gonna start a i'm gonna start a like a petition for it so uh yeah all right last thing we wanted to touch on um obviously a, a big thing for for this game was the free throw um i guess the free throw discrepancy obviously blazer fans are upset and i don't really blame them like whenever the lakers go up against a team that shoots a a ton more free throws than they do. I, I get kind of upset about it. Um, just some things that I noticed with the free throws. It kind of cooled off in the second half. The Lakers had 31 at half. They didn't shoot very well. I think they were like 18 of 31 uh, in the first half. Uh, they missed a ton of free throws in the first half. Yeah. Um, plus the turnovers in the first half were kind of irritating too. But just one thing I kind of noticed with the free throws. Um, in Portland, you know, it's mostly a jump shooting team. You know, and, you know, you can make the argument, oh, they, they, they aren't driving because they know they'll get fouled and, and won't get the calls or whatever. But the thing I noticed really with the free throws, and it's really not that bizarre, is the bulk of the free throws came from the three superstars in this mm-hmm. game. Um, and, no, I don't consider McCollum a superstar. I consider him a, a very, very good player, but not a superstar. Um, but when you look at the free throws, so, like, Lillard was 13 of 14 from the free throw line. He shot 14 free throws. Um, Nurkic had two, Whiteside had two, Trent had one. You look at the Lakers, LeBron had 17 free throws, Davis had 14 free throws, KCB had two, Caruso had four, Kuzma had four, Dwight had two. So I don't know if it's just the benefit of having two superstars going up against one, or also I thought the Lakers were just so much more aggressive. I thought LeBron especially was going towards the basket all game long. AD always shoots a lot of free throws because, I mean, there's just – a lot of guys just don't have answers on how to guard him. When he goes towards the basket, he's a seven-foot guard essentially. You know, Mm -hmm. guys like – guys that big and like that long are not – usually able to move the way he is like the mobility he also has with it just causes guys problems and they foul a lot. I mean, plus you have Hassan Whiteside in the other team. He's probably going to foul a bunch. So, um, yeah. And LeBron was just super aggressive tonight. So, I mean, that obviously resulted in a ton of free throws and both basically that's all it was, was the superstars getting to the free throw line. And, you know, I, I, I just don't buy the whole idea that, you know, the Lakers only won this game because of the refs. 
the third quarter, unless I missed it, I went and looked at the play-by-play. The free throws were six to five in favor of the Lakers in attempts yeah. in that quarter, and the Lakers in that quarter twenty-nine. So at a certain point. I mean, the second half is when the Lakers started to dominate that game, and that's when the free throws started to cool off, and they only shot 12 in the second half. So maybe, I don't know, Portland maybe try and get some stops, or I don't know, just just a, just a thought. I mean, don't, like, <laughs> don't, but uh, at the same time, like, I don't know. Like I said, I get it. If Blazer fans that are listening to this, I get it. Like, I get pissed off when the Lakers shoot 10 free throws or whatever, and uh you know, the other team shoots 40, but ultimately I thought the Lakers were aggressive tonight and Portland settled for a lot of jumpers. So that's, that's uh, my take on it. I, I only really have one thing to add to that. Um, the actual foul calls in this game, the Blazers were, were called for 25 and the Lakers were called for 21. So Plus Caruso probably should have gotten about eight more <laughs> superstar calls. So yeah, I, I was I did have a problem with you saying only the superstars got foul calls. What, I I don't see Alex Caruso shooting 15 free throws. Listen, Caruso is such a selfless superstar that he gave all of his free throw attempts to LeBron and AD. <laughs> yeah, they gotta get uh, get some target practice so they yeah. can actually make them the next time around. Frank Vogel did say that the Lakers are all gonna shoot a thousand free throws apiece tomorrow in practice. <laughs> so. Uh, hopefully the, that issue is uh, is remedied by by uh, game was it game four yeah, yeah. game four um, when we did our preview of the series we talked a lot about the Blazers defense thinking but we were wrong they played great free throw defense <laughs> <laughs> true that's the best defense that they played so far uh, all right that's gonna do it for us this time uh, game four will be coming up uh, it's gonna be. Kind of a, an interesting game to watch. There could be, you know, some definitely some emotions in that game. It's going to be on Monday, August 24th, which, of course, is is Kobe Day or Mamba Day, whatever. Uh, it's A4. Uh, we've seen reports that the Lakers will wear uh, the special edition Mamba jerseys, the black, like, snakeskin jerseys. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to see them in that. And I hope they come out fired up, man. I hope they come out fired up. And I hope, you know, obviously – I've had kind of mixed emotions. Obviously, by the time that this podcast comes out, it's going to be August 23rd, which is Kobe's birthday. He would have been 42 years old today, and it still kind of pulls on my heartstrings a little bit to, you know, know that he's he's not here to to have another birthday. And, uh, you know, obviously we all love and miss Kobe very, very much. Um, so hopefully, you know, the, the team – It'll probably be an emotional game for some of those guys, in all honesty, because a lot of, you know, a lot of those guys knew Kobe well. He was – you know, a, a prime figure, not only in basketball, but obviously with the Laker family. So um, hopefully uh, the boys come out on Monday and, and wear the Mamba jerseys with pride and, and can hopefully put a stranglehold on the series and go up 3-1. Uh, yeah, that's all I have to say on that. It's Like I said, man, it's it's tough. Like yeah. every, I feel like every time I feel like I'm doing okay, something reminds me of it and it's and it's tough. But It's just, it's still surreal to have to, you know, say he would have been 42 yeah. or, you know, whatever. I, I, like, anytime you use that sort of language, it's just uh, very, very, very chilling. And, yeah, it's still, you know, it's been about seven months now. And it is, uh, you know, it, you never really think that a person that you never met, uh, you would still be thinking about them pretty much every single day for seven months after they passed. But that's kind of been the case with Kobe. And, uh, 
He's uh, definitely meant a lot to us as fans and definitely meant a lot to all the Lakers players uh, as fans and teammates and, and opponents. So, uh, yeah, you're right. I, I you know, it's it's going to be very emotional. I, I don't really have any expectations, but uh, it, it would be really nice for them to come out strong and, and kind of channel that energy and uh, really make him proud. Yeah, 100%. So, all right, we're going to get out of here. Uh, we will be back here, uh, I mean, very shortly. Probably that's kind of a nice thing with these games being every other day is uh, gives us somewhat of a consistent schedule. Um, so Monday is, is game four, and hopefully the Lakers can, like I said, put a stranglehold on this series and go up 3-1 and uh, really put Portland on the rope. So, But until then, uh, thank you guys so much for listening. As always, like I mentioned at the start, uh, be sure to subscribe to UCAS Studios and Lakers Outsiders on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. And you can follow uh, Lakers Outsiders on social media accounts, Twitter, Instagram, like us on Facebook, and get all of our content on LakersOutsiders.com. Uh, follow Hani on Twitter uh, at H-O-N-I-A-H-M. Follow me at Gary Kester. And, uh, yeah. We're getting out of here, so uh, thanks thanks again so much, you guys, for listening. We really, really appreciate it. Uh, we've seen our numbers kind of keep going up recently, and it's it's just awesome to see the the support, and we really, really appreciate And we, we definitely see you guys, so thank you so much. So, all right, until next time, with Hani Amadi, and this is Gary Kester and the Lakers Outsiders, signing off. Shout out Lakers and Blazers legend Chris Kamen.